We put the South in your mouth. Welcome back in. It's the Tuesday edition of Y'all Talk About Everything Southern. We got news from across the South. A lot of political stuff to get to. We're going to talk about potentially a debate between the governor of California and the governor of Florida. Right as we are about to have a debate of the Republican candidates for president. Minus one Donald J. Trump. Got political news. Donald Trump speaking of the 45th president. He was in Somerville, South Carolina on Monday, and he visited a gun store. Can you imagine a former president or a current president, either one, in the Secret Service role when you walk into a gun store? That's exactly what happened Monday. We'll talk about it. Some news out of that rally that Trump had in Flower Town, USA. All that right here on today's Y'all Show Political Report. We've got news in our other headlines today about a mayor in Tennessee body slamming somebody. We'll tell you about that. Also, we'll let you know about how there is a de-churching going on. We've got far less people going to church these days. We've got some numbers that we'll pass along. Plus, a driver choking on a French fry has crashed into a Kentucky business. The latest out of Henderson, Kentucky on that. Plus, in Texas, a football team in the Metroplex has four sets of twins on it. I wonder if they're all winning. I guess so. What are we now? A third of the way through high school football for most of the Southeast? So we'll talk about some high school football and more right here on today's Y'all Show in our news headlines. We also have plenty, as we said, of that political talk. We've got the latest poll numbers coming in. We'll have a political report in hour two. Before hour one is up, though, I want to remind you that hashtag, well, actually, the political report is here this hour. Hour two of today's Y'all Show, we've got our headlines. Then we're going to talk books. And a lady has one of the top-selling books on the New York Times bestseller list right now. Her name is Lucy Score. Her new book is Things We Left Behind. And we're going to hear from this very, very talented author, who, when she first got started, her first book sold a whopping 35 or so copies. And now she's got one of the top-selling books in all the world. And she, in her latest series of books, has a mythical Virginia town as the setting. And we're going to learn more about Knock 'em Out, Virginia, the setting for the books of Lucy Score. Again, we'll hear from her as part of our Southern Book Report, and we'll also share with you the other top-selling books for both fiction and non-fiction when we have our Southern Book Report at hour number two. Also, in our second hour today, we've got the latest in entertainment news. Sophia Loren breaks a bone in her leg, I think, as she had a fall in her Swiss home. Latest on that very talented Italian actress. And then a lady that's, uh, I won't say a talented actress, I won't say she's even that talented singing these days, but she's been very successful, and she's from Kentwood, Louisiana. Britney Spears news to pass along on today's Y'all Show, plus news out of Oklahoma and country music singer Toby Keith. We'll have all that in our entertainment report coming in our second hour today. In our final hour, he's back. It's the Takapola Storyteller. As last week, we were off the air on Tuesday, so we did not have a Jerry Short story. That's a good name, a short story. <laughs> the Takapola storyteller Jerry Short was not with us last Tuesday, and he took advantage of us being off the air to get in the car and go all the way to New York City. And he's here to report on 
what it's like in today's world to drive from way down here in the south to way up there in the north and he's got a lot to say about the toll plazas and more that you're going to face when you go to states like New Jersey. So if you haven't been up to New York in a car lately, your eyes might be open when the Takapola storyteller tells us all about his journey to the Big Apple. And that's coming up in our final hour. We also have in that last hour today more food talk. And we've got a really cool article that we found at thelocalplate.com. And this is really more of a beverage topic today. And it's a topic that a lot of you across the Southeast cannot go throughout a day without. And that is coffee. And so we've got an article from this website that's titled Six Small Southern Coffee Roasters to Check Out. So we've got a listing of these half dozen coffee, small coffee companies that do a great job with their blends. And we're going to blend that in. We're going, to, we're going to get that coffee pot going for some coffee conversation coming up in our final hour of today's Y'all Show. So does that not sound delicious? Absolutely it does. Hey, if you want to get involved with y'all, here's how you do it. You just pull out your cell phone and you text us. As we have a 24-hour day text line open right now, 615-408, rather 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. And then we have the email address that you can reach out to us anytime. And that number, or if that email address is M-A-I-L mail at Y-A-L-L dot com. Mail at y'all dot com. Those are the ways to get in touch with us here at the Y'all Show anytime as we have people that catch us on our awesome lineup of radio stations across Dixie and then each and every day, the Y'all Show available in podcast form. And you can find us absolutely free of charge. Just search for us if you happen to have on your favorite Apple or Android phone or perhaps on a iPad or if you just go to a website, check us out at iHeartRadio.com. So in addition to iHeartRadio.com, we're also on Spotify. We're on the TuneIn app. And we're at Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes, all free of charge. Just search y'all show. And if you're having a hard time finding us that way, you can also type in my name, John, J-O-N, at y'all, at y'all show there in your search, and we should pop up easily then. There are a handful of other y'all-type shows out there, so but not call the y'all show. They just have something with the word y'all in there. And I, I'm coming after those people. We, we have claimed this word. We have y'all.com, by golly. And we say y'all more than anybody, so we deserve to have that word and uh they can thank me later so yeah those are great ways to catch us and then of course speaking of y'all.com that's the website that powers the show y'all.com is the south's homepage. go there right now for some awesome articles in fact today before we maybe get out of here i'll tell you about the latest article that we've just posted and i think for all you anglers out there you'll you'll get a kick out of that one let's dive into some news headlines of the day into south carolina we go and now we know that there are multiple deaths from a South Carolina high school, all because of a weekend shooting, as police have discovered four individuals with gunshot injuries when they arrived. Three of those students from that Columbia area high school have ended up dying as a result of their shots after they were taken to hospitals and more in Richland County, which is Columbia, South Carolina. 
Three victims, they were ages 16 and 17 years old, dying at this high school. They all attended Eau Claire High School, which is in Columbia. The district provided counseling to students. Again, this shooting happened in the Columbia, South Carolina area over the weekend. Three students, all from the same high school, killed in a in a shooting. We don't often see shootings of multiple people from a from a high school age standpoint. At least during the school year, some of the stuff happens during summer times, but uh, during the summertime. But unfortunately, something got out of control there with these Eau Claire, South Carolina high school students, and unfortunately, three are dead now, and a fourth hanging on for dear life. Cassidy Hutchinson, she is the lady who was the assistant to Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff. She's the lady that the Democrats brought up to Capitol Hill to testify against Trump and others regarding the January 6th attack when she was there in the summer of 2022. Now she's got a new book that is coming out, and she's a New Jersey native, but she's got this new book called Enough, and I'm bringing it to your attention today because in this book, there's a lot of unusual things that have come out of this book, and I guess this will help sell copies of it, but one of the most unusual things, and one reason I'm talking about this now as opposed to in our political stories today, is that Cassidy Hutchinson is denying that Matt Gates, the Florida congressman, dated her because... Matt Gates, who would have been single at the time, he got married two years ago, and he moved up when he got married, by the way. He married a very beautiful and very rich lady. Congratulations, Congressman Gates. But now he's saying that he once dated Cassidy Hutchinson. Hutchinson is firing back. Now, Gates, in a statement to MSNBC, claimed that he did date Cassidy for a few weeks when they were both single years ago. And they remained friends after splitting up. That's what Matt Gates is saying. But now, in an interview Monday with MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, I had a chance to watch that Monday evening. It was a pretty interesting interview, by the way. I'll tell you about something Donald Trump told Cassidy Hutchinson, and she followed his orders, or his suggestions, I should say. But in this interview, the sit-down interview on set with Matt O'Monday, Hutchinson said she never dated Florida Congressman Matt Gates. And here's her quote, and this is why I'm bringing this up as she's out promoting enough her new book. She said, I have much higher standards in men. Matt is, frankly, a very unserious politician. We see that today with the ruckus that he is causing on Capitol Hill with the spending negotiations. And I don't really have much else to say to somebody that is more concerned about a soundbite than actually passing legislation. Ouch! Let me repeat that first line. Cassidy Hutchins talking about Matt Gates, who I think most women would say is a pretty sharp-looking guy. He's a William & Mary Law graduate, went to FSU. He's always got something to say. Very well-dressed, smart guy tough guy as Trump would say but here's that line again that Cassidy Hutchison said about Matt Gates, our own southern boy she said 
I have much higher standards in men, in men, and Matt is frankly a very unserious politician. Now, I've never lost out on a lady. I've lost out on I lost out on just about every woman. If you want to know the truth personally, and maybe it's because my hair is not quite as good as Matt Gates's hair, but I've never been called an unserious politician. That is, that's a that's a low blow, Cassidy. That's a low low blue on Matt Gates. But how about that, saying that she's got higher standards than men? Anyway, in that same interview Monday with Rachel Maddow, who has about the same hairstyle as Matt Gates, by the way, with the poofed-up hair. Uh, speaking of hair, that, that was actually what I was going to bring up. So Cassidy Hutchinson throwing a lot of people under the bus with this new book, Enough. But one thing she didn't do, at least in a, sec- in a certain section of the book, she didn't throw Donald Trump under the bus when it came to the whole sexual misconduct. You know, she's just throwing this week Rudy Giuliani under the bus for supposedly groping her on the day of January 6th. But she says in a meeting or something like that in the White House at some point, well before January 6th, President Trump, who was then the president, engaged in conversation with Cassidy Hutchinson and he suggested he suggested to her that she put some blonde highlights in her hair and guess what Hutchinson went home and did that and she said she liked it and one thing Rachel Maddow brought up Monday on MSNBC or should I say MSDNC is that in some workplaces even the thought of a boss suggesting a change in hairstyle could be considered sexual harassment but they didn't really go after Trump to their to to my surprise Trump knows a thing or two about hair I, I I guess in fact that was actually I think something else that came out in this book that President Trump on some kind of visit during the covid pandemic he didn't wear a mask because of his bronze toner, which I guess is something he puts on his face. Would have gotten all over the mask. <laughs> I'm not sure. We're going to talk more about Trump and just the way that he rolls. And he was rolling in a big way Monday when he was on a stump and he also went by a gun store while visiting the low country of South Carolina. That's coming up in our political report today. Speaking of politics and beautiful ladies like Cassidy Hutchinson, another beautiful lady is a new face on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. That is the new U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama, Katie Britt. She's had a few health challenges already this year. But a question asked to Katie Britt, the new U.S. Senator, the Republican from the state of Alabama, and a question asked to her about her future and ask if she wants to be a president one day. Britt, in a response, said she was humbled and that she'd been underestimated much of her life by her small-town public school upbringing and a few other things that have gone on with her life. But she did not say no. And that's in a new Politico profile that has been published as Jonathan Martin sat down with Katie Britt talking about politics and more and asking her if she wants to be president, she did not say no. So here we go. A potential 
president one day out of the state of Alabama. In fact, she is a lawyer. She has been in politics very briefly. She's a mother of several young children, I think. And she is, of course, here, here is what crosses the goal line for Katie Britt, okay? She's married to a great Alabama football player. That's enough right there for her to be the commander-in-chief. You, you reckon Nick Saban would be calling her up for advice if she ends up being president? The first sentence of this new Jonathan Martin Politico stories describes Katie Britt as the more consequential GOP Alabama senator. Ouch! That's a, a, a jab over at Mr. Auburn himself, Mr. Pine Box, Oxford, Mississippi, Tommy Tuberville saying that she's more consequential. And so Katie Britt, that's a name to kind of keep your eye out as we get forward, go forward here. And check out this article at Politico if you want to know more about this rising senator from Bama and a potential United States presidential candidate. Maybe, just maybe, in 2024. Remember, it was a Barack Hussein Obama presidential campaign of 2008 when he was in his first term as a U.S. Senator he got elected in what 2004 perhaps it was 2002 but he was a first term Senator when he was elected President of the United States you have to wonder if the good people of Illinois would have even re-elected him to office I know 80% of the state geographically would definitely not have done that Good old Chicago comes through. He and uh, Reverend Wright help get that big city for that guy, and I guess it's still in blue hands, if you if you know what I mean. We told you on the Monday show about how the city of New Orleans and cities south of there heading toward the Gulf of Mexico have been dealing with a, I guess, a influx of salt water into their areas where they should be having fresh water, and it's affecting the, the drinking water, and there's some real concern in the Pelican State right now over that. Well, a report on the Mississippi River, as we are finding out from the executive director for the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, and his name is Colin Wellenkamp, that after river levels have been dropping because droughts have intensified, that his group, this MRCTI, the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, are trying to let it be known about this impact of the dropping levels of the Mississippi River. And right now, there is a record-making low water level of the Mississippi River expected, or it experienced it last fall. And at one point, the mighty Mississippi had a 1,500 barge backup because it was too shallow to pass back in the fall of 2022. And now this group that uh, Mr. Wellenkamp leads is a group of mayors from towns along the Mississippi River Corridor. And last week they voted unanimously to create a compact to protect the Mississippi River. As they have federal laws on the books to protect the waterway and now they're working to strengthen that even more because when the Mississippi River experiences what happened last year and this drought continues, 
it not only shuts down stuff at the time, but we're seeing, for example, what's happening in South Louisiana now with the river having that salt water come into it from the Gulf, and it's affecting the drinking supply. So it's a real challenge going on with the mighty Mississippi. So perhaps you are in the Mississippi River Basin. This group now going to help you out as the levels of the Mississippi River last year were that record low, and let's hope it doesn't get anywhere close to being quite that tough again on so many people as it was an ugly scene. How would you like to be stuck in a barge in the middle of the Mississippi River and you're stuck there because there's just not enough water in it to keep on trucking, heading down to New Orleans, or perhaps you're heading upstream to somewhere in Minnesota where the river actually starts. Let's take you to Dixon County in Middle Tennessee, and that's where you'll find Burns. Burns is a town there in Dixon County, and the mayor of Burns is 45-year-old Landon Sean Mathis, and he's now been arrested after Dixon County Sheriff deputies say he got into a fight with his girlfriend's child. And now the mayor of Burns charged with domestic assault. Dixon County deputies responded to a call at 1411 Jonathan Street in Burns in reference to a domestic disturbance over the weekend. And according to the sheriff's office arrest report, when they arrived, Dixon County deputies spoke with the victim who said in an argument about payment for weed eating alone, it led to a fight. Okay, I'm glad it was an argument over weed eating and not weed. (laughs) That's kind of where I thought this was heading to. But there was a fight over payment for weed eating, and it got into a fight, and the victim said he made a deal with the mayor to weed eat the yard for $40, but Mathis said he wouldn't pay. And the victim was talking to his mother about getting paid, and he said that Mathis got up, the mayor, grabbed the victim's shirt near the collar, and pushed him down onto a couch. The victim said that the mayor continued to push him, leaving marks on his neck. And later, Mathis is accused of body slamming the victim in some sort of neck hold and began a twisted push on his nose, causing pain. WWE comes to Dixon County, Tennessee with the mayor of Burns, Mayor Landon Sean Mathis, now charged with domestic assault in this middle Tennessee town. Be very careful. Look, I feel for the officers in this situation. I'm surprised maybe Burns, Tennessee, doesn't have their own police force. That's a great thing since they would have had to go to their own mayor's residence here for this incident. But anytime law enforcement at any level gets called on domestic disturbances, you just feel for them because so often they turn out to be horrible. I mean horrible and luckily this one as bad as it is nobody got seriously hurt and we all parties can get past this and we may end up having to change a mayor of burns i don't know that i've ever been through burns tennessee lovely place i'm sure i've been through dixon it's a nice place in fact dixon tennessee had for a long time as a guy who loves our southern food Dixon had the great distinction for many, many years 
of being the furthest west location of Bojangles Chicken and Biscuits. And I fortunately stopped by there many times. You know what, though? Bojangles has swiftly moved west in Tennessee. I don't know if they've gone to Arkansas yet, but you can now find uh, Bojangles restaurants in the Memphis area. Several in Memphis and South Haven and more. If you're just uh, dying for a Bojangles or the Bow Rounds or the Bowberry Biscuit, which is the sort of blueberry biscuit with the icing on top. Yummy, yummy, yummy. You can even see them making the Bojangles biscuits when you go into some of their locations. Oh my goodness. It's heavenly. Absolutely heavenly. And I'm glad that the good people of Memphis can now experience Bojangles chicken and biscuits. But for a long time, you had to get all the way right to Nashville, there in Dixon, to experience good old Bojangles and their famous chicken, their Cajun-style chicken. we got some great chicken places in the South, do we not? In fact, what was I going to tell you all about Popeye's? Well, I had a Popeye's story yesterday where the, the, the R&B singer is now being sued for not paying on a, a, a loan for two Georgia locations of Popeye's. Chris Brown is who I'm referencing. But there was something about Bo, uh, Popeye's I saw when I was driving around Monday. Perhaps it was the closest Popeye's to me I was thinking about going to. I was seriously thinking about going to it. And it was right after lunch. And there wasn't a single car in the parking lot. So I, I decided to go somewhere else. Surely to goodness, they weren't closed. And there weren't cars in the drive-thru either. So, hmm. I don't know what was going on there. But we love our chicken in the South. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> We'll take a break here on y'all. When we come back, we got uh, a little bit more headlines to pass along. And then before the hour is up, it's our Southern Political Report, all heading your way here on the Tuesday Y'all Show. I'm going to be thinking about chicken and Bojangles biscuits now for the next few minutes. I apologize, y'all. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Said I'd give you the whole world somehow I tried making good on that promise Thought I'd be so much further by now Never could build you a castle Even though you're the queen of my heart But I've had the best of intentions from the start Now some people think I'm a loser Cause I seldom get things right But you make me feel like a winner When you wrap me in your arms so tight Please tell me you will remember 
the best of intentions all along. Thank you, Mr. Tripp. We're back on y'all, working our way through the news headlines of the day. And speaking of Travis Tripp, I've got to give mad props to a fairly new co-worker of mine. Miss Bonnie, I'm talking about you. So she shows up a few months back for her very first day at work. And you know she's wearing a Travis Tritt Tour t-shirt. I, I was blown away. I was, I wouldn't say in love because she's married, but uh, she got the highest of marks for having that on on her first day of work. A Travis Tritt t-shirt. You don't see that all the time. And the incredible thing about Miss Bonnie, she's a dang Yankee. She's from Michigan. And she knows good music. So, way to go. In fact, she told me that she checked out the Oak Ridge Boys in person over the weekend. And I recommended that she go check them out. So, I missed that concert. But the Oak Ridge Boys, I've got them circled as they're on their farewell farewell tour and I think they'll be near me in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to go see them at another venue, Miss Bonnie. But, uh, yeah, Travis Tritt getting some fans from Michigan, it looks like, who have resettled here in Dixie. And that's – we'll take all those Yankees who like Travis Tritt. Come on down. We'll take you right here, especially on the Y'all Show. Let's move on with our stories from across the southeast here, and let's go to Kentucky in the town of Henderson. A crash happened at 11 o'clock Sunday – at the Enterprise Rent-A-Car location on Highway 41 in Henderson, Kentucky. But this wasn't your ordinary reason for a crash, as police say this car crashed into the Enterprise Rent-A-Car location after the driver choked on a French fry and ended up passing out behind the steering wheel. That's a scary situation. Police Sergeant Bill Russell of the Henderson Police Department said that two people in a car had just stopped at the McDonald's drive through which was just down the street from this Enterprise Rent-A-Car, when the driver, who was in his 50s, started choking on a French fry. The driver tried to pull over before passing out and drove right into the car rental business. Police said the two people were responsive when emergency crews arrived on scene. They went to the hospital with minor injuries. Thank God the guy did not choke to death. Thank God that he and his passenger weren't severely hurt. But they crashed into the building. No one was inside the rental car building at the time as it was closed and is closed on Sundays. If workers had been sitting at their desk when the crash happened, it could have been deadly because that's where this car went plowing through the rental car location. Parts of the building sustained structural damage but lesson learned you better watch out when you're eating french fries and mcdonald's french fries don't even you know compared to other french fries they're not even that wide but they are long so i don't know what's going on with this guy's throat and it could be it could be scary out there when you're getting up there in age and you're trying to eat especially behind the wheel of a car not long ago, I was not a, at a McDonald's, but I was at another southern fast food joint. And I was in my car sitting there after eating a meal. And I started to have the same kind of thing this guy was having. Thank God 
I had to breathe deeply and whatever was causing my problem went away but uh, you got to be careful and this could be a reminder that eating while driving is not necessarily a good thing to do and certainly you better have a big drink there and I hope this Henderson Kentucky resident got him a big McDonald's drink and if he had maybe that's what he was missing and he couldn't get that fry down look those McDonald's french fries we all know how good they are there's a chance this guy might have decided to put about 10 down at one time instead of just the usual one because they're so dang good they, they are good I don't know how McDonald's got on that french fry game early in their career with a delicious recipe but boy uh, nobody else comes close and, and, and you know french fries are great in various styles but for the style of fry the little skinny french fry I don't think anybody does it quite as good as, as McDonald's and if, I, if I'm wrong please let me know here at the y'all show I, I apologize I wish I was bragging about one of our great southern restaurants in fact we were just telling you a few minutes ago about Bojangles Bojangles french fries I like a lot they're a different style of french fry if you happen to live near a Bojangles chicken and biscuit place but one of the reasons I love Bojangles is their french fries are thick they're like a steak fry but Bojangles has its own kind of seasoning that they put on there like a Cajun seasoning and that's what makes their fries oh so good in a different completely different way from a McDonald's fry Burger King stepped up their game I really like Burger King's fries. Uh, who else is left out there? Wendy's. Wendy's could use some help, in my opinion. They, they need to help out their game. I tell you, who's got an awesome French fry selection? And that's Arby's. Arby's has two different styles of French fries. How about that? That would blow a lot of your fast food workers' minds when they had to have two different French fry things going because <laughs> you got two different styles. But, yeah, kudos to Arby's. And I think Arby's even has onion rings. Okay, I'm, I'm putting you to sleep, I'm sure, talking about French fries. But, hey, we're on this subject only because of a person crashing into a Kentucky rental car business because they were choking on a car, uh, choking, choking on a French fry, and passed out behind the steering wheel. I'm glad that everybody's going to be okay there in the bluegrass after reading that story. Now, let's all go get some French fries. Yeah. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to wrap up this hour. We're going to deep fry political talk here. We've got our Southern Political Report. Donald Trump visits a gun store in South Carolina on Monday. We'll tell you all about it. Plus, we've got a clip from a CNN show that we'll play for you. All that's right ahead. like a good fiddle to get us into a southern political report as we wrap up hour number one of this tuesday y'all show we've got plenty of a former president to tell you about 
But let me start out today's political report about another former president you didn't think I'd be talking about. How about Jimmy Carter over the weekend in his hometown of Plains, Georgia? The 98-year-old president who's got a birthday coming up here, I think, this weekend as he turns 99. And this guy is in hospice. He's not even supposed to be able to get out and about. But over the weekend in Plains, President Jimmy Carter at age 98, almost 99, was riding through Plains as part of the Plains, Georgia Peanut Festival. How about that? And he and I think Rosalind was with him as he went through the streets of Plains, Georgia. Absolutely awesome to see. As he was in the car there, the former president and the former first lady making an appearance in the Plains Peanut Festival Parade. What a awesome, awesome thing to see and a great way to start our Southern Political Report and a very early happy birthday to the Georgia native, a former governor of Georgia and Georgia, I won't say peach, a Georgia peanut, but the outing of the president comes seven months after he entered hospice care at his home following a series of hospital stays and even in hospice, the president and Rosalind able to get out and be seen in Plains, GA. And that's a great story to tell you about as we start our political report. Now, while he was hanging out in his hometown of Plains this weekend, Monday, Donald Trump was in the state of South Carolina. He had a rally on Monday at a boat manufacturing plant in the Somerville area, which is just north of Charleston in the low country of SC. He also stopped by a gun store while he was in South Carolina, went by the Palmetto Armory location, which got started about 15 years ago, and now Palmetto Armory has locations in Columbia, Somerville, I think they got something in the upstate. They're a massive, massive place. And here you have, if you see the footage, a former president walking through a gun store that was loaded up with guns everywhere. He even picked up a Glock that had his image on it, got a picture with it, which now people are saying that's a violation of his parole as he's got all these indictments don't know where that's going to go but i happened to catch cnn as they were talking about president trump stopping by this gun store and a georgia native kate bettingfeld who used to work in the biden administration she was in this cnn dialogue alongside kentucky republican sort of correspondent consultant if you will scott jennings who used to work for mitch mcconnell and they were on cnn's the lead with erica hill and I wanted to play a clip of this CNN show from Monday where they talked about Trump going by a gun store and these two Southerners, Bettingfield and Jennings, kind of explaining why he would do such a thing. Here is that conversation. First of all, I'm glad he didn't buy it because I reckon it, it would have been illegal for somebody under felony indictment <laughs> to have done so. So good good move. That number was two. one of the questions we had initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number two, well, look, he's, he's still in a Republican primary and obviously Second Amendment voters uh, make up a huge uh, pillar of the re Republican primary base, so he's catering to those Republicans. So, look, I'll just tell you, that the inside of that gun store looks like the inside of a lot of gun stores I've been inside of in uh, Kentucky, and so uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of Republicans and conservatives out there that would appreciate uh, seeing a Republican candidate for office uh, go in there. Now, whether this is part of his pivot to the general election, like he has on other issues, I don't know about that, but for Republicans, uh, this, was, this would be a... Uh, absolutely something that, that would be, uh, they'd like to see it. 
as we're seeing that stop, right, for Donald Trump, this, of course, comes on the heels, Kate, of President Biden creating the first ever office at the White House for gun violence prevention. Is that an issue that Biden can run and win on in 2024? Oh, I think no question. And I think if this is Donald Trump's attempt to begin to pivot to the general uh, on guns, then this is a really weird choice because he's underscoring the fact that his Supreme Court, he's giving Democrats an opportunity to remind voters that his Supreme Court relaxed uh, gun restrictions in 2022. It's incredibly unpopular across the country. It's really unpopular with uh, independent voters, with suburban voters, with suburban women in particular. Uh, and it's also, as Scott said, it's a reminder that he's under felony indictment. So an interesting choice on his part. But it, but in all seriousness, it is an opportunity for, for Democrats to drive a really hard contrast on this issue that is very uh, motivating to, uh, to people all across the country who are worried about the safety of their kids when they go to school, worried about the safety uh, of their friends and family when they're uh, out on the street. So what, what Donald Trump is doing here is effectively just uh, reminding voters that uh, he is all about unrestricted access to guns, uh, which is a, a huge difference from where Joe Biden is and is, frankly, I think is going to prove to be a losing issue uh, for Republicans as they move into the general election next year. All right, that was Kate Bedingfield, who worked in the Biden-Harris administration as a PR-type person. And she's a Georgia native, and there you had her talking alongside Scott Jennings, a conservative guy, if you will, on CNN. Speaking of President Trump, a new poll came out from the Washington Post, and it showed that the president had a 10-point lead over Joe Biden. And now it looks like the Washington Post in this ABC poll are, according to leading political pollster Larry Sabato, uh, I, I call it an outlier. But Trump, on his campaign stop Monday in South Carolina, he wasn't holding back. He was promoting that thing big time, as he's got this lead, at least in this one poll, over Joe Biden. Elsewhere, you've got the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, and California Governor Gavin Newsom. They evidently have agreed to participate in a TV debate in November Newsom, who hasn't even really hinted that strongly that he's interested in running for president, why would he do such a thing? It's going to be a 90-minute debate between these two governors. And that's a political report here to wrap up Hour 1. edition of talking about the south continues we are the y'all show would love to hear from you you can drop us an email mail at y'all.com mail at y-a-l-l.com we've got operators standing by to check out what you send us so send it on to us as we continue on with this tuesday show we've got more headlines to jump into plus this hour we've got our southern book report 
We'll let you know about the top-selling books on the New York Times bestsellers list for both fiction and nonfiction. And I'm, I'm going to introduce you to a lady who's got a mythical Virginia town as her setting for her line of books. Her name is Lucy Score. She's on the New York Times bestsellers list right now. And her new book is called Things We Left Behind. And we're going to get a chance to hear from Lucy Score as part of our Southern Book Report coming up here in this second hour of the Y'all Show. And before hour two is in the books. And we're going to let you know about entertainment news. Sophia Loren has a little bit of an injury. We'll let you know what's going on in Switzerland with this legendary actress. Britney Spears news and Toby Keith news all packaged in our entertainment headlines of the hour coming up before we get out of here for hour two. Hour three, a reminder that Jerry Short, Mr. Takapola storyteller himself, will be here to talk about a recent trip as we were off the air last week. He went up to New York City and getting there and coming back was not easy on his checkbook. Let's just tell you that. And Jerry's going to tell you all about it when he drops by in hour three today. Plus, we have is a conclusion to hour three, our food talk. And today, it's more of a beverage talk as we've got from the website, thelocalplate.com, six small southern coffee roasters to check out. Is your favorite small coffee shop on the list? We'll find out what the local plates come up with when we talk coffee with or without cream or sugar and whatever else (laughs) that's the one thing about coffee nobody likes it the same everybody's taste of coffee is completely different that's why I got told many many years ago if you ever open up a restaurant it would be smart to not even serve coffee because nobody is going to be happy with whatever the brand you got the accoutrements that you have they're not going to be happy with the temperature just do without and you'll be much better off that was that was the wise words of someone years ago the good news thanks to the wide, wise words I've stayed away from trying to get into the restaurant business that's one business I've stayed away from <laughs> let me try to get this whole talking about the south thing fixed before I start getting into serving up food and beverages but I appreciate the advice anyway all that right here on y'all by the way you can check out the y'all show anytime while you're sipping your favorite cup of coffee listen to our y'all show podcast that is available in Spotify as well as Apple iTunes Apple Podcasts we're also in the iHeartRadio app and the TuneIn app just search y'all show and you'll find us right there and we look forward to working with you as you get caught up we've got more than 600 and i think we're over 650 episodes strong now with this program been doing it over five years been doing the y'all thing now for over 20 years y'all.com is the website that powers this y'all show and we've got lots of good stuff at y'all.com if you have a chance to go check that out we would love to have you drop on by Let's dive into some more headlines for this second hour of the Y'all Show. And we start off with the national story today. Cassidy Hutchinson, she's getting a lot of traction. She's got this new book out that is called Enough. And she's making the rounds. You probably will see her on whatever channel you're watching today. This young lady who was once Mark Meadows' right-hand person in the White House when he was chief of staff. 
she is the lady that back in the summer of 2022 testified to Congress about the January 6th attack and now the salacious claims in her book this week coming out that she claims that Rudy Giuliani groped her on the day of the January 6th attack I guess this happened while Giuliani was in attendance at the Trump speech there outside of the Washington Monument on January 6, 2021. And then the humorous part, in, in my opinion, is that out of nowhere, Matt Gates, the Florida congressman, put a statement out to MSNBC in regards to Cassidy Hutchinson's new book, Enough. Gates, in a statement, said that he did date Cassidy for a few weeks when they were both single years ago and they have remained friends after splitting up Matt Gates put that out to MSDNC on Monday Cassidy Hutchinson interviewed on Rachel Maddow's show on MSDNC and she fired back after they brought up the whole statement from Matt Gates with this New Jersey bred statement. She's a wise guy. And here's what she said in regards to Matt Gates, claiming that he dated her. She said, quote, I have much higher standards in men. Matt is frankly a very unserious politician. We see that today with the ruckus that he is causing on Capitol Hill with the spending negotiations. And I don't really have much else to say to somebody that is more concerned about a soundbite than actually passing legislation ouch Matt I feel for you man she's she's dissing you man in a big way I looked it up Matt Gates is in his early 40s and Cassidy's in her mid to late 20s now so there, there's about a 15 year gap in ages but whenever they could have possibly so called dated they were both single at the time in fact, as far as I know, Cassidy's still single. Matt Gates, by the way, is married. As he got married to Ginger Lucky back in 2021. And the name Ginger Lucky sounds familiar. She is the sister of Palmer Lucky. And Palmer Lucky is an entrepreneur and founder of Oculus VR, the virtual reality head-mounted display that's reviving the virtual reality industry this guy is a billionaire I don't know the exact count but he's also a big conservative donor and he's given to a lot of conservative causes he's fundraised for Donald Trump and more donated a lot to various politicians and he's a California native of all things but he has this sister who's now married to Matt Gates, Palmer Lucky, Mr. VR guy. And his brother-in-law, Matt Gates, who Matt is officially 41 years young. He represents the Florida congressional district that's around Pensacola, Destin, Fort Walton Beach, and more the Redneck Riviera is what we call it here in the southeast. <laughs> it's a great part of the southeast. It's a great part of Florida. Love, love me some beautiful Emerald Coast of Florida visits. And for all of you who might be listening to us that live in Matt Gates's great district of Florida, 
Florida's first congressional district. Hello and thanks for listening to the Y'all Show. Of course, saying y'all is not a problem for that part of the Sunshine State. But Matt Gates now with some questions about his life prior to tying the knot with Ginger Lucky. And, and again, one reason it's kind of interesting to hear about him putting a statement to Cassidy Hutchinson is that, remember, Matt Gates had a lot of people come after him for trafficking and more. Remember, he was under investigation for a long time and ended up being found completely innocent. But they tried to bring him down for a long, long time. And some people that were around him ended up going to jail. Joel Greenberg, out of Seminole County, for example, the tax collector of that county, got in trouble. I'll never forget that I think there was a phone call that Greenberg and Matt Gates made together to Nikki Freed, who is a Democrat and actually ran for governor of the state of Florida. And they made a sophomoric phone call to her, and that's on tape. And they used that, I think, in the evidence when they were trying to get Matt Gates the government is for sex trafficking and other wild claims. In fact, Matt Gates has come out of this looking really awesome because he survived the intense investigation. Two guys that the government and the Dems absolutely can't stand in addition to Donald Trump are Donald Trump Jr. because he's got a loud mouth and, and Matt Gates because he's got a loud mouth. And they both got heavy, heavy investigations into all kinds of stuff for them. And they both come out of it, and they both are continuing to run their mouth and brag about how they didn't do anything wrong. And maybe they didn't. I guess they didn't. To their credit, Matt Gates at least wants to be tied to Cassidy Hutchison as she is now not afraid to say that she's got higher standards than men. Sorry, Matt. But again, Matt's done pretty good. His his beautiful bride comes from pretty good money. Ginger Lucky and her brother Palmer. They got married August of 2021. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, I want to let you know about de-churching. Have you heard of that term? It is the fact that so many people are not going to church anymore as American spirituality is really under crisis. More Americans are so-called de-churching as they attend church less than once a year. And nearly half of Americans now identify as religious. 50% of the country, therefore, is non-religious. This is not completely surprising. Churches already were under the assault of people de-churching and then along comes the COVID virus, where you couldn't even go to church. And a lot of people, including myself, tried to do the whole online viewing of church services. It was, it was okay. It was okay. And in fact, some churches had a boost. Perhaps you really found some new churches out there that you would never have discovered if the coronavirus had not popped up. But unfortunately, after now these years, after the initial shutdown of churches, it is a 
tough go for a lot of churches. One pastor said that the average age of their church is 27. So you're having younger people go. A lot of older people, frankly, are scared to go to church because of the remaining COVID aspect. And that doesn't help either. And we hope that churches can survive. We hope that if you have a church that you call home that you continue to go to and you feel that inspiration and things are great and if you're a Christian oftentimes you want to evangelize and you want to get more people to come into the faith so we wish you well in that effort but among the 82% of Americans who do not have some sort of belief system 47 of the 82% said that they were religious while 33 said that they were spiritual but not religious and 2% identified as both spiritual and religious. Over the last 30 years, 40 million people have stopped going to regular church attendance according to recent surveys. So it's not the cool thing in most cases to go to a church service. And trying to draw new people and younger people to churches is a challenge. For example, a recent revival at the University of Kentucky went for 11 consecutive days. And here's a good story. Eventually, it had to be shut down because a 1,400-person auditorium on the UK campus was packed to capacity after word spread about this revival. There's something going on called Fill the Stadium. And they even had this at the University of Oklahoma, which drew thousands of young participants to that. So maybe an actual brick-and-mortar church isn't catching the attention of a lot of people today like it would have in the past. But some of these newfound events, for example, on the campuses of UK and OU, are drawing young people to religion. And that's a good thing. And I wonder if this event that we're telling you about this organization has something to do with the Auburn you know this is something I haven't talked about on the show yet because we were off the air when the story broke the other day but there was a recent religious related event there at the campus of Auburn University and it's gotten some attention as let me pull up this story. This may be totally unrelated to the other thing I was talking about at Auburn, but an atheist advocacy group is attacking Auburn for the role of its coaches and how they played a role in bringing a Christian worship event to Auburn last week. So this is this is tied in. I didn't realize that Hugh Freeze and company helped bring what's called Unite Auburn to the Auburn campus back on September 12th as this was held at the Neville Arena on the campus of Auburn. And about 200 Auburn students were baptized after this event. And they were baptized in a small lake on the Auburn camp, on the Auburn campus. And it was pretty cool. Automobile headlights help shine the lake of which these people were baptized. And the head coach of the Auburn Tigers in his first year on the Plains is Hugh Freeze. And he was 
there and helped baptize one of his players that night. Hugh Freeze actually came to Auburn from Liberty, one of the nation's largest evangelical Christian universities. And this group, this sort of anti-religious group, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, which claims a mission to protect church-state separation, they objected to Hugh Freeze's role in the baptisms and said it received numerous reports that both he and Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl and baseball coach Butch Thompson actively promoted the event to students. And the group in a letter said, while student athletes are free to pray, either individually or as a group, university staff members should not be leading, participating in, or encouraging students to engage in religious exercises. Hmm. They don't like that. Now, I'm impressed by Bruce Pearl that he would even be participating in this. As far as I know, Bruce Pearl is is Jewish. And, of course, you can be Jewish and certainly have a very, very strong faith. Uh, Yom Kippur going on this week. I wonder if he's converted to Christianity. I'm not sure, but, but this was a very evangelical type event on the Auburn campus that supposedly Butch Thompson and the baseball coach and Auburn football coach Hugh Freeze were participating in. Much more to come on this story, but I've seen some of that social media footage. If you've not seen it, it's pretty pretty strong if you're a person of faith to see that coming from an SEC school. And we wish those people all the best in their efforts to find religion, whatever that might be. The mayor of a middle Tennessee town in the news after he's charged with an alleged fight with his girlfriend's son. In fact, he body slammed the girlfriend's son. And now the mayor of Burns in Dixon County, 45-year-old Landon Sean Mathis now charged with domestic assault. Dixon County, Tennessee deputies going to a residence in Burns over the weekend for a domestic disturbance call. And when they arrived, deputies spoke with the victim who said an argument went on about a payment for weed eating and it led to a fight. And during that fight, the son of Mathis's girlfriend ended up being body slammed and he had his collar, the victim, his, his shirt collar was grabbed and he was pushed down onto a couch and he had marks on his neck and more, but somewhere along the line they had a WWE style body slam go on and the mayor of the town was taken to the Dixon County Tennessee jail he would not comment on his arrest but you have to think the good people of that small middle Tennessee town might be considering a new mayor at this point or perhaps Mayor Mathis and this child of his girlfriend can shake hands and life can go on but domestic disturbance is nothing to be discounting at all no matter if it's with a boyfriend girlfriend situation or the family member it could be your most loved loved one that you have a domestic disturbance with please let's try to avoid domestic disturbances because it can end up leading in this case to a mayor in the news and a mayor who's likely going to catch a lot of grief if if not lose his job as a result of this domestic disturbance violation in middle tennessee 
want to also let you know in our headlines across the southeast today about how Azel High School, that is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and their football team is in the news because the Hornets are a family affair. As the Azel Hornets have four sets, one, two, three, four sets of twins on their football team. Pretty impressive. Coach Devin Doris leads the Hornets, and he says that they haven't had four sets of twins in any way, shape, or form ever, but to have four sets of twins on one varsity team is quite remarkable. He's got nephews who play different sides of the ball. Dylan and Dalton Doris, and also others on the team include Braden and Brian Rager. Cash Moore and his brother Case are on the team. It's a pretty impressive lineup there for a state that loves their high school football. I don't want to leave out Austin and Adam May, who are offensive players for the Hornets of Azel High School in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Impressive job there by the coach here and I don't know what their record is but I could tell you what they got a lot of support there in that portion of Texas they had a game recently against Grapevine and did pretty well on the field so good luck to the Hornets this year let me see if I can't pull up Hazel's record thus far in the Texas high school ranks as it's not easy in Texas. If you've not been through Texas in the last 50 years or so, high school football is massive. I mean, Friday Night Lights, that movie and TV show definitely showed that. But I remember not long ago I drove to, I think I was in around Houston. But I was around technically around somewhere around Beaumont when I saw a high school football stadium that was easily seen by the interstate and good lord most small colleges don't have a stadium anywhere close that size it was impressive by the way the Hornets are not having a good season thus far they are one and four yikes if they just had another set of twins I guess if they got four sets of twins that's eight players If they could get another handful of players that are twins, they could have a whole lineup on offense or defense of just twins or triplets. I've got someone close to me who's on a football team right now, and one of his buddies on defense is a triplet. He's one of the triplets, but he's got a sister and a brother that makes up his triplet whatever you want to call that uh, make, the makeup of his triplet and the the one brother could care less about football and the sister is not really into football obviously so this one triplet is out there playing football alongside my buddy and he's not doing too good in fact he really doesn't play very much so you have to think as a parent of a triplet boy I sure am taking this kid a lot to these practices and to these games and they're not even playing He's not even getting a chance to play too much. Back to the Azel Hornets of Texas. 
They did beat Grapevine. I told you about their matchup with Grapevine. They won that game 14-13. to well, They've been losing games here lately. Lost to Fort Worth's Brewer High School this past week, 30-13. to And now this week they're going to be playing the Northwest Texans, who are 3-1. and That's going to be a tough game at Azle High School, a home game this week for the Hornets and all their twins. So we wish them the best in Texas high school football with four sets of twins that make up that Hornet football team. Pretty pretty awesome. I wonder how many, speaking of triplets, as I was talking about the big guys football team, I wonder if you can tell me, because I don't know of any, I've never heard of such a thing, if triplets have all been part of the same football team slash literally on the same, let's say, offense where they play different positions in the same offense or defensive setup. That would be awesome to see. I've, I've never heard of such a thing. In fact, one reason I'm telling you this story today about this high school team out of Texas is I don't know too many twins that play football, period. The only twins I can think of that made it into the NFL are the Barbers. Was it Ronde and Tiki Barber that played in the NFL? One of them with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who recently, I think, had his name or, or number retired by the Buccaneers when they won their first Super Bowl. He was part of that. These guys that played at UVA back when UVA was pretty good in college football. Twins, we got the Kelsey brothers, but they're not twins. There's plenty of twin, plenty of brother combinations, but not too many twins. The only twins in sports you generally find along the banks of the Mississippi in Minneapolis, St. Paul, that would be the Minnesota Twins of baseball. That's that's all about all I can come up with. And that wraps up some of our news headlines here for hour number two. When we come back on y'all, we've got our Southern Book Report for the week. Lucy Score has the new book, Things We Left Behind. It's one of the top-selling books on the New York Times bestsellers list. We're going to hear about her and her mythical town in Virginia that she writes about. That's right ahead on the Y'all Show. Can I forget from what it is that I call 
Y'all going to talk about a small town now. Going to talk about a mythical small town. We're discussing books here in this segment of the show. Thank you, Mr. Kuga, for setting us up for our Southern Book Conversation. And at this time of the week, we go on to the New York Times bestsellers list. And let me tell you about the top reads available to all y'all right now. Brand new book on the combined print and ebook fiction list. And it's number one. How about Kyle Mills and his new book, Vince Flynn, Code Red? The 22nd book in the Mitch Rapp series. Rapp and his team try to foil a plot by Russia without being discovered. Code Red, it's number one on the New York Times bestsellers list this week. Code Red from Vince Flynn. Well, that's the name of the book. Vince Flynn, Code Red from Kyle Mills. Good job, Mr. Mills. Mr. Stephen King has the second book on the New York Times bestseller list in the fiction category. As his latest book, it's been out a couple of weeks, Holly is at number two. The private detective Holly Gibney investigates whether a married pair of octogenarian academics had anything to do with Bonnie Dahl's disappearance. This guy knows how to write a book. I think Stephen King and John Grisham need to have a write-off one day, and we'll see who comes out on top. There's a couple of other act, uh, writers, both male and female, who might give them a run for the money. They're writing machines, y'all. Again, Holly is the new Stephen King book. It's brand new. It's number two on the bestsellers list for fiction right now. Rebecca Yeros's Fourth Wing's been out some five months now. Fourth Wing is about how Violet Sorengal is urged by the commanding general, who also is her mother, to become a candidate for the elite Dragon Riders. Fourth Wing on the bestsellers list. James Patterson, he likes to write books a lot, and he's got a new book that's number four on the fiction list this week. James Patterson's new book is called 23 and a Half Lies. Three thrillers, 23 and a Half Lies written with Maxine Petro, Fallen Ranger written with Andrew Burrell, and Watch Your Back written with Lauren D. Esselman. That's what is composed of what's in 23 and a Half Lies, the new James Patterson book. A book that's been on the New York Times bestsellers list for only two weeks now is the book that I'm going to tell you a lot more about. It's written by Lucy Score. It's called Things We Left Behind, and it's the third book in the Knock em Out series. A mogul and a small town librarian share a dark secret from their past. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Things we left behind. More to come on Lucy Score and her new book. When we spotlight this lady, as she features Virginia in a big way in her books. And Things We Left Behind is her latest. So those are the fiction books on the New York Times bestsellers list. In terms of the nonfiction book, hey, have you been wanting to know more about Elon Musk? Well, now's your chance because Walter Isaacson's got a new biography of Elon Musk that's number one in the New York Times combined print and ebook nonfiction listing. The book's called Elon Musk. As Isaacson, the author of The Code Breaker, traces Elon Musk's life and summarizes his work on electric vehicles, private space exploration, and artificial intelligence. What a book. Elon Musk. It's new and it's number one. 
Number two on the nonfiction list is a Duger book, Counting the Cost, by Jill Duger with Derek Dillard and Craig Borlase. The behind-the-scenes account of the reality TV series 19 Kids and Counting and a portrayal of life inside the Duggar family. Counting the cost, it's number two in the nonfiction category this week. David Gron's Killers of the Flower Moon, it's been on the list nearly two years now. About a 1920s Oklahoma murder spree, it's number three. Number four is the book Outlive, The Science and Art of Longevity. Longevity. Peter Adia, the doctor, writes that alongside Bill Gifford. And another book that's been out for a long, long time on the nonfiction list, The Body Keeps the Score from Bessel van der Kolk. Those are your nonfiction books. Now, let me tell you about that number five book in the fiction category this week. It's Lucy Scores, Things We Left Behind. And this is a relatively new writer. And she is a bestseller of romantic comedies. She actually grew up in the Keystone State of Pennsylvania. And she was the oldest of three in a book-obsessed household. She started writing in the second grade and has gone on to have quite a career. She's got about a dozen books to her credit. Her first book came out only four years ago, Price of Scandal. And I saw that one of her first books, it might have been this one or an e-book she had called Blue Water Billionaires, only sold about 35 copies <laughs> and she's still going at it and again her book now that's out is number five in the fiction listing of the new york times bestsellers and it is doing quite well things we left behind she's already got about six more books scheduled to come out before the middle of next year she's turning them out lucy's keeping score with her very very successful book career that she, although a Pennsylvania native, has the South in mind when she writes her books because her books have, these new ones that she's got, are centered around the mythical town of Knockmouth, Virginia. And so right now we're going to go to a clip of her talking about writing and more as she's on the YouTube page Self-Publishing Info with the SPA Girls. And here's a recent conversation they had with her. It's writer Lucy Score of Things We Left Behind fame here in our Southern Book Showcase. Everything is about relationships. You know, everything in life, the, the most important things you have in life are your relationships with the people you care about or the yeah, people yeah. you don't care about. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it all comes down to relationships. And yeah. uh, I think... I just I just feel that very deeply and and when I'm writing a book I focus so much on the on these two people getting to know and accept each yeah. other mm-hmm. and I I think that that has also carried over into real life because everybody has a story you know mm-hmm. every, every single person that you meet has a story and and they they matter and mm-hmm. i think that's and as a writer i you, i'm just very naturally nosy and curious so <laughs> i'm always I, you never know where that next <laughs> idea is going to come from yeah, so yeah, i yeah. i want to know your story i yeah, want to yeah. know how yeah. how you met your husband or yeah. you know why you named your son this yeah. or you know i i want to mm-hmm. know all of that how about that she is an inquiring person lucy score and she has the number five book on the New York Times bestsellers list right now. And it's called Things We Left Behind. 
And that wraps up our Southern Book Report here for this Tuesday Y'all Show. We're going to wrap up this second hour of the Y'all Show. When we come right back, it is our entertainment spotlight. We've got Toby Keith information to pass along, as well as some Britney Spears news. What you've always wanted, right? That's coming right up, plus an update on Sophia Loren. This is the Y'all Show on a Tuesday. show wrapping up hour two with some entertainment news and that Kentwood lady singing there is in the news here in 2023 because there's going to be a re-release of her road trip movie Crossroads that she stars in ahead of her memoir coming out October 24th The Woman and Me so yes absolutely Crossroads is the movie that Britney appeared in back in 2002 and it's going to be re-released in 800 theaters worldwide right when this book about her comes out. According to a news release from Sony Pictures Entertainment, Crossroads Global Fan Event will feature a bonus sing-along of two of Britney Spears' song from that movie, which have never been seen on the big screen. If you missed back in 2002, Crossroads, it is a movie that Britney Spears of Louisiana stars in alongside Taryn Manning Dan Aykroyd and others it's a Shonda Rhimes written movie which follows three best friends who reunite to embark on a cross country trip and it's coming out again how about that it's already seen over 60 million dollars of tickets sold globally and tickets I think are now available I guess so if they're being sold so check it out go to Britney's website and you can learn more about this re-release of Crossroads from 2002 coming to theaters all tying into Britney's new memoir which comes out October 24th. I bet you that'll be on the New York Times bestseller list. The Woman in Me. And another Southerner that's got a re-release of a movie as The Hunger Games from 2012 that's got Kentucky lady Jennifer Lawrence in it. It's also seeing some movie theaters re-release that one when it comes out here soon the 2012 movie Hunger Games Sophia Loren has had surgery after she had a fall at her Swiss home she lives in Geneva the 89 year old Italian actress was taken to the hospital Sunday with several fractures to her hip and thigh bone and a spokesperson said that the surgery went well and they're just going to have to 
wait and see how she recovers. But uh, she hasn't been in the news for a little while. Sophia Loren, the incredible actress who, believe it or not, as a child had to dodge American bombs as she grew up there in Italy while it was an enemy of the United States and Great Britain during World War II. And she's had so many famous roles through the years. And I guess a lot of people know her from her TV work and her films, of course. But she's just been a a sex symbol, if you will, and starred in movies like A Countess from Hong Kong with Marlon Brando. It started in Naples with Clark Gable. That was way back in 1960 when she was in that. And she was even in Charlie Chaplin's final film, A Countess from Hong Kong. That was the Marlon Brando movie there. And I think she was a Bond girl, too. I don't know every single Bond girl, but pretty sure Sophia Loren was one of them. Let's move over to some country music news. Toby Keith has announced an album of songs that he wrote 100% by himself, as this album is called 100% Songwriter. It's going to be available November 3rd on the Mercury Nashville UME imprint, and it will be available as a vinyl record. How about that? Now, Toby's been fighting a stomach cancer battle for the last two years, but he's been busy writing songs for this 100% songwriter. It's a 13-song collection, which is a nice way to get Toby Keith back out there, and we're happy for him. It's going to have Should Have Been a Cowboy, He Ain't Worth Missing, and Courtesy of the Red, White, Blue. These are all songs that he wrote, but he's got some new ones on there. Toby Keith, we wish him all the best as he's got that tough battle with stomach cancer continuing. Good luck, sir, in Oklahoma where he lives. And that wraps up our entertainment report. That wraps up Hour 2 of the Y'all Show, Hour 3 with Jerry Short, a special guest coming up. this Tuesday edition is up. Hello, I'm John Raw. Welcome back into y'all. We've got some developing stories out of the Supreme Court here on this Tuesday that we'll pass along to you. Also, we'll let you know about how at least one U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama isn't ruling out a potential run for president <laughs> one day. That's coming right up here on the y'all show. Also in this set, on this in this final hour of this Tuesday y'all show, our friend Jerry Short is going to be back with us. He is the Takapola storyteller and he's going to tell you all about his trip to New York City while we were off the air last week. So that's going to be a lot of fun catching up with toll plazas and other Yankee stories and more. All that coming up in a few minutes here on the y'all show and before this final hour is up today, we've got a lot of coffee to talk about. 
as we've got a recipe, or it's not a recipe, it's a website that's got a lot of recipes on it. The localplate.com has a great story that we found called Six Small Southern Coffee Roasters to Check Out. So if you love your coffee, see if your favorite coffee place is listed in this article from thelocalplate.com. We'll get to all that before we sign off here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. If you would like to get involved, we've got an email address that you can email anytime, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We'd love to hear from you here on the program. Let's jump into these headlines. The developing story today out of Washington, D.C., the United States Supreme Court has rejected Alabama's attempt to avoid creating a second black majority congressional district. This was announced earlier today as the Supreme Court rejecting an emergency bid from Alabama that sets the stage for a new congressional map likely to include a second black majority district that will account for the state's 27% black population. That, again, a 5-4 affirmation from the Supreme Court as they affirmed a lower court that had ordered Alabama to redraw its seven-seat congressional map to include a second-majority black district or something quite close to it. The justices today will have their action will have immediate consequences in Alabama for the 2024 election because there are currently six Republicans and one Democratic member from Alabama serving in Washington, D.C. So you could see a seat turn from red to blue as black voters. Here's the understatement of the century. Black voters lean Democratic. No way. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Although I'm hearing more and more that at least one guy run for president has got more black voters than anybody. That's Donald Trump. Than anybody in recent memory on the Republican side. And so that might be why Trump recently had a 10-point lead over Joe Biden in a Washington Post-ABC poll of which the people that put on the poll said, let's redo this thing. This can't be right. Crazy, crazy information to pass along. Trump was in South Carolina Monday. He had a big rally at a boat manufacturing plant in Somerville. He also stopped by a gun store. Palmetto Armory went on a nice tour. If you get a chance, Forbes has a YouTube channel, and Forbes has unedited video of Trump walking around in this gun store, and it's hilarious. And it's really educational because he's with the owner of the store, and Trump's asking the owner questions about gun laws. Pretty wild stuff. And then, unprompted, Trump is walking. And he just happens to see as he's walking by in the display case a pistol that's got his image on it. And it catches his eye. And guess what? He picks it up and gets pictures with it and threatens to buy it. And that's the story that a lot of people are talking about today. That, oh my God, this guy who's been charged with all these felonies is possessing a gun. But the gun's got his picture on it. Is it shouldn't that be an exception? Come on. Come on now. Another story out of South Carolina. Over the weekend, three students from Eau Claire High School in Columbia were killed in a shootout there. Four people in all were shot, but three of these high school students all killed in a shooting 
in Columbia, South Carolina, Richland County Sheriff's Department investigating the victims 16 and 17 years old dying at a Columbia area hospital. The superintendent of the school district there is Dr. Craig Witherspoon. In a statement from him, he is the Richland District 1 superintendent in South Carolina, saying this is an unimaginable tragedy, and he called it senseless gun violence. You are correct on that, sir. But unfortunately, three students all from the same high school shot and killed over the weekend. One lady who might be talking about gun control or efforts to not restrict guns in the future is the new senator for the state of Alabama. That would be Katie Britt. And she's featured in a new article on Politico as Jonathan Martin tracked the 40-something politician down, the mother of several children. And Jonathan Martin's 3,200-word profile of the senator is in the latest Politico and asked if she wants to be president someday. Britt said she was humbled and that she had been underestimated much of her life by the fact that she was from a small town and she had a public school upbringing. But she did not rule out the fact that she might run for president one day. She could have easily shot him down. Now, this article also says that Britt is the more consequential GOP Alabama senator. And that is a finger in the eye of one Tommy Tuberville, (laughs) who is making headlines these days as uh, he's keeping those military people from being promoted. I think Britt was at the recent Alabama-Mississippi football game where she welcomed in Republican Senate Whip John Thune of South Dakota as he was a guest, I think, of hers at Alabama's victory there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Katie Britt's husband, Wesley, once starred for the Crimson Tide, and she's been having fundraisers and more. So keep an eye on her. You know, we haven't heard heard a whole lot about her thus far, but we might have a President Katie Britt one of these days, the junior senator from the heart of Dixie, and a Politico feature about her is out. Right now, she's not ruling out that she might run for president one day. (laughs) Still quite a ways to go for 2028, but she could be right there at the top of the ticket. And that is a look at some of our headlines today. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to go over to Jerry Short as he took advantage of us being off the air last Tuesday. And what did he do? He He and the sweetie got in the car And they didn't just drive down to the local Dollar General. They drove all the way up to Manhattan, the one in New York City. And he's going to be here after the timeout to tell us all about his Yankee trip and the fun and the agony of it. It's the Takapola Storyteller. He's coming up and before hour three is in the books, we're going to tell you all about the six small southern coffee roasters to check out as a website has written this great article and we're going to break it all down before we get out of here today so hang on
wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. And the Y'all Show is back here on a Tuesday alongside the Takapola Storyteller, Jerry Short. This is Y'all, powered by Y'all.com. John Rawl, your host. Jerry, good to see you again. We were off last Tuesday. Oh, John, I hate that. I was in New York, so New we York. could have swapped. New York City? New York, New York. What in the world? Well, I was in Bronx, and I was in Queens, and I was in Staten Island, and I was in Manhattan, and uh, you name it. Don't I tell me you've been indicted, and that's why you were up there. Probably would have if I'd have done what I wanted to do. Oh, really? What would that be? Well, it's it went on down to Washington, D.C., and uh, evidently the swamp hadn't been completely drained yet. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's so kind of right. You went up to New York City for a yeah, very, my, very went, brief time, right? Yeah, we just went up because my uh, my wife had a family reunion up there, and uh, they had uh, that's what was designated as anyway. Everybody, some of them got a little sick, so we kind of just visited from Bronx to Queens to in Manhattan to wherever somebody happened to live. Most of them were nurses that had come from the Philippines, been there 40, 50 years. 60 years mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at all the foreigners that actually uh are up there that uh, i don't know how we'd get by and i don't think it's that bunch is coming across the border this bunch is well trained because her aunt which is her mother's uh sister told me that she had graduated top of a really exclusive uh nursing school in the philippines and american uh uh guy was over there looking i guess he was a recruiter or something and uh he wanted her immediately, and she couldn't believe it. But she came on in over here 40, 45, 50 years ago, and she's been in, uh, they they settled in Bronx, and she's been there ever since that one had. Golly. And, again, this was a so-called family reunion all the way in New That's York. what it's going to be. They have a uh, well-to-do uncle that uh, was on a cruise, and uh, he come over to take another cruise, and, and then he was leased out of place. But... Uh, as it turned out, he had a couple of people that was in her family that lived down in North Carolina, and we couldn't work the dates out on the 14th exactly. And then her other aunt was getting, didn't know it, but she's kind of getting down and retired, and uh, she really wasn't healthy enough to go to Manhattan from Queens. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of developed in a, you know, I drove, since I drove and I had my vehicle, I went from place to place, and we visited with everybody that way. Well, I wanted to let our audience know as we talked to our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. Jerry lives east of the Mississippi River, but you live pretty darn close to that Mississippi River. The point is, you drove all the way to New York City. That's a destination you've made many times. And for most in the South, they think New York's too far. But really, yeah. even for people on the Mississippi River, it, it's not as far as you think. It, i tell you how far it is. It's about... Uh, uh, 1,900 miles from where we're sitting now, say, Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I go to Pennsylvania a lot, and it's 1,200 miles from here to south of Philly in that area around Amish country. It's 1,200 one way. And then, uh, and if you take a detour here and there, which well, you What about to New York City? New York City is about another 400 miles. So you said 1,900. So it's about 1,600 miles? Yeah. I, well, we it didn't. can't be 400 miles well, from Pennsylvania. No, out. not on up there. But by the time I drove back down to Wilmington and then went on to Washington, D.C., 
and come back across okay. to Interstate 81, it, I'd gone that far further. So before I headed south, it's it's let's just say Memphis, because most people know where that's located on the Mississippi River. Yeah, sixteen hours, seventeen hours. Well, high? it's about sixteen hours from uh, Memphis here, to New York City. And you're luck. You got to be really lucky too now, because with all these trailer trucks that are on the road now, and uh, all the cars that are on the road. You know, you can be in a uh, 12 lane highway and you still can't make any time. Now, they'll figure it on your GPS that you can make it in uh, 15 and a half hours from Oxford to, say, uh, uh, someplace in Philadelphia, someplace in uh, Pennsylvania. Probably Bethlehem, say. I think we spent the night there because it wasn't about another hour and a half on over into Manhattan. So we stayed there where we could. Uh, see a few things before the we got to go into the reunion and as it turned out uh, probably needed all the time because we i drove every inch of all the boroughs you know not just a few boroughs you know at queens i have flown in up there and i you know i've, I've flown in and then i've caught a taxi and it is a long ways back down to uh staten you always want to say staten island i did but it's staten they it's, pronounce it Staten? I know. Yeah, they pronounce it Staten. And, uh, you know, of course, you're allowed to run any 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 kind of northerner. It's allowed to pronounce something any kind of way. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife was bad about looking up the correct pronunciation, like Newark Airport is right across from Staten Island. Starts, and uh, it's, you can cross one bridge in your, over in New Jersey because the Hudson River comes up through there by... You know, actually, the Statue of Liberty is in New Jersey. And a lot of people think it's in New York, but it's in New Jersey. But if you cross over from Staten Island over on that side into New Jersey, it's uh, it's it, you know it's 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 handy, but it's quick and it's crowded. So whatever, and it's toll road after toll road. Mm-hmm. So whatever you get into, hey, you can't really go by your watch and your time. Well, I'm looking right now as we're sitting here doing this interview. I pulled up my handy little Apple product, mm-hmm. and I looked from where we're sitting here, here mm-hmm. in the, in the mm-hmm. Mid-South, from where we are to Trump Tower. The court, Trump Tower. The Trump Tower, which is right in the heart I of Manhattan. Would, I would say it probably says you can get there in 18 hours. It says 17 hours, 12 minutes. That's 1,125 miles. That's, what say you? What say me is, uh, uh, how did that terminology ever come to be i think that's a legal terminology from the english days could be i think it is but anyway do you agree that you uh, can get there in just over seven no, hours you can't no. okay. it's going to take you a good 19 probably and look i drive anywhere Fast. from 80 to 90 all the way and uh but you're going to run into these situations i have been blocked for an hour with trailer trucks backed up mm-hmm. might be one flipped over i know uh and I've been all over, you know. I've been to, I've been to Denver, and I've been to Phoenix, and I've been to uh, all Detroit, and I've been to all of them. But uh, and I've been to uh, Orlando's, and I've been to all those places that have these places where I'm liable to pick up a vehicle. And whatever it tells you on the GPS, go ahead and add you another hour and a half. If it's a, if it's 1,200 miles away, say, go ahead and add you another hour and a half because. You never know what you're going to run into. It's like I drove all night coming back. And the other day, I know it sounds crazy, uh, the week before this, I went up to uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, I picked up a vehicle, and 
it was for a guy who had bought it for his uh, girlfriend's birthday. And uh, Must be nice. And Yeah, really. And it was an expensive automobile also. And uh, carried it to Jackson and then back up here. So in that trip, I was actually on the road 45 hours. Are you crazy or no. stupid? No, I got an hour of sleep. I pulled oh, over. Are you somewhere. crazy or stupid? <laughs> a little of both, probably. You know. But uh, anyway, what say you? <laughs> yeah, what say you? At uh, at Bill O'Reilly started that. What say is that, you? Is that where that comes? And from? I noticed all these other people. So I looked it up one time, and it's it's got something to do with the legal terminology that the judge would ask the plaintiff or uh, or the or another lawyer. A, a, a direct question and the judge would say okay on this answer about such and such did he actually mm-hmm. penetrate this or steal that he'd say what say you so what say you that's the origin of what say you ah. I don't want to ever be confused with Bill O'Reilly talking to Jerry Short the Taco Polo storyteller on this Tuesday edition of the Y'all Show so you go up to New York okay. but Unfortunately for most, if not all of the South, at some point on your driving journey to that portion of America, you're going to have to end up kind of, it's like a, a, it's almost like a funnel. And no matter if you're coming in from Florida or Kentucky or Tennessee or any of the Gulf Coast states, ultimately that funnel kind of starts closing in somewhere around New Jersey or Pennsylvania. And you got to go through those Yankee states. You go on through your way to New York City, yeah. up I-95, yeah. and that's not always fun. Tell me about your latest episode going through a New Jersey toll plaza. Well, you know, a lot of times now it looks like they use a camera for 90% of the stuff. They'll have some person, an actual human will be in a booth occasionally. But as you approach it, like on the New Jersey Turnpike, a few places up there that thing is actually... 14 16 lanes wide counting both sides coming and coming mm-hmm. and when you come up on it they'll usually have a big pad of concrete spread out and you'll have all these uh, gates that you go through all these booths that you go through and some of them will say easy pass now that'll be for the person that comes regular and commutes regular and often mm-hmm. so he'll buy a pass it'll be good for so long but that camera's still going to get that tag and they'll, you know, they'll. That's how they'll pay. That's how he'll pay, what he pays or what he needs to pay. He'll know how often, and they'll know how often, you know, and how much he paid for and how much he's got. And then some of them will say cash only, and you don't have but a second or two to dang adjust to this. So you can possibly pull up in one, and there won't be anybody in that booth. And I've done that, and I go on through, but I will get a letter later. Do you really? Yes. They get that tag number, and they will send you that letter. And uh, I know I went to Niagara Falls one time, and uh, we got a letter, and uh, I didn't pay it any attention. You know, I said, oh, nothing's going to happen. And, hey, they laid a heck of a penalty on that thing. I think I paid something like a uh, hundred and something dollars for maybe going 25 miles on, uh, that would be... Uh, I think that's 90 that goes east and west going from Erie, Pennsylvania into uh, into Buffalo. So, uh, yeah, it can uh, it can run into money if you don't take care of business. So You really have no way to appeal it. No way to appeal it. I picked a car up in Chicago one time, and uh, I had my son following me as a chase car. And uh, 
I didn't have a tag on mine at all. And uh, when we got back, he got a letter because he was driving my car with a tag on it. And I drove the car I picked up. It didn't have anything on it. So they weren't able to trace it. So they didn't get they didn't get me, but they got him. So but it was probably toward to you. Yeah. Because it was for the tag, which well, was under he, your name, right? Well, no, that didn't have a tag on the car I was driving. Yeah, but the one that your son was driving, son was driving had your name but on it. But he, he was okay. He just had to pay the, you know, whatever the small token was. They charge you so much per mile. You know, I pulled into one uh, leaving Wilmington, Delaware, going back around, coming in through Annapolis, and then coming back in on the east side of Washington. So, well, hold on a second. I'm about to stop you. Because I, as a Southerner, as a diehard Southerner, okay. I have not been driving around New Jersey and New York lately. So you're telling me up there, and, and for a lot of you, you're like, golly, how could John, how could you not know this? Well, I haven't been up there. No, you'd have to go see it. So they have toll booths that aren't manned, and you're going to automatically have a picture taken of your plate, and sometime weeks later, maybe, you're going to get a, a bill in the mail. And it's not just there. I've had one in New Orleans making a U-turn on Canal Street. And that was when I was auditing the BP oil spill, which is, you probably remember the year better I than I do. I think it was around 2009, Yeah, they sent me a bill. Maybe 07. And they turn it over to bill collectors. Ah. It's what they do. The state don't do it. If you don't, uh, they may send you the first warning, but a bill collector will get the next. Well, there are some states in the south, Tennessee's one of them, where there are municipalities that have these kind of, uh, photo cameras that will look but, but, I, but in tennessee for example they ruled those things illegal yeah so there's a trap they yeah, try to get yeah, you but yeah. you just throw those things in the in the well, trash can in new jersey on that on that turnpike which is probably the most that's probably the busiest turnpike in the world because that goes from maine to uh, miami florida so there's a lot of traffic a lot of trailer trucks that are going to be on that now uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I was going to mention a while ago. Once I went through it, if you'll look up on your above you, you know I got a skylight in the top of my car, mm -hmm. and as I look up, there must be a thousand cameras pointed at every direction oh, to make sure it gets every tag, and they go all the way across you, and it they'll be up high, and it'll be like you're kicking a field goal at a football game. It'll be all it'll be a camera in that lane, camera in the next lane camera in the next lane, camera in the next lane. That won't be the only one. It'll be one and maybe maybe a eighth of a mile further down, there'll be the same situation. They're going to get you both ways. They're going to make sure they get you. And, uh, they, you know, they, that's money. And uh, That's also ridiculous. That's yeah, over, yeah. overkill. They ought to just put some people in toll booths and collect money like states like Florida do. Well, they could, you know, some of those places, I'm serious, might have... Uh, Ten booths, but there might not be but two cash booths. They pay cash, so they wouldn't have but two attendants there. So if you go through a cash booth, you're probably going to find a person. If you go through a cash booth, you'll find a person. Okay, and you pay them. But a lot of times, you know, it may, you know, you can't cross five lanes sometime real quick, and they don't give you a lot of warning. You're coming up on it and it says toll. One mile ahead. Okay. And I'm already in that lane way on the other side. I've got to fight my way through three or four vehicles. They're, they're almost trapping you yeah, to uh -huh. go through that. You've got to fight your way through those other vehicles to get over to that lane. Now, if you're a local person and you know the situation, but you've got an easy pass, so you just go on and hit that easy pass, 
and it's it's it still was once a at one time or other they had a person in it. They're all booths, but it'll be you can take easy pass to the left mm-hmm. and drive right on through it. You know, it's kind of like that old uh, HOV thing where more than uh, three people to a car. You know, they want you in a certain lane. They have that up there also, and uh, so if they catch you and it's just one of you, one person, mm-hmm. in that particular lane where they're trying to regulate and speed traffic along, hey, they'll ticket you for that in a second also. Yeah. Friendly driving tips, courtesy of the Takapola storyteller Jerry Short right here on today's <laughs> Y'all Show. You never know what you're going to get when Mr. Storyteller himself comes by for a visit. For the most part, the South, I think, isn't too heavy on toll roads. No. Florida's got a few where bridges are involved. Yeah, I got caught in Florida one about a month ago. On uh, a bridge? Yeah. And I got caught on a road also around Tampa. And uh, the Highway 4 that crosses down in Orlando's got a couple on it next to Disney World. Okay. I wasn't there for Disney World, but I was there. But the worst situation I think I've ever had was the Sunshine Bridge in Louisiana. Oh, they've got the one there. Uh, well, they had a they had a toll on it in 1964 Gosh. when they first built it. But it would pay itself off, and they would drop the toll. But then I guess they'd need money somewhere else, and they'd put that toll back on. So you wouldn't know when you were coming if there was going to be a toll on it or not. And the Sunshine Bridge was built below Donaldsonville, Louisiana. Below Baton Rouge, between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, there used to be a ferry there. Hmm. But anyway, they built the Sunshine Bridge, and the Sunshine Bridge is the uh, uh, Jimmy Rogers song, You Are My Sunshine. Mm, former governor. Yeah, former governor. That bridge is named after him. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I've been through it years and years and years since 1964, first time I went across it. Uh, sometime it would have a toll, sometime it wouldn't. So, you know, you wouldn't know what to expect. At one time, it dead-ended on the east side of the river. That was before I-10 mm-hmm. was complete all the way from Baton Rouge, circling New Orleans and back around to Biloxi. But uh, then when they got that thing, uh, it would dead-end. Once they got the main highway, you could go on out to I-10, and then they would increase the uh, toll cost. Oh. So that would pay for that section of the road. So, But in Louisiana, you know, they're famous for their ex-governor Huey P. Long and uh, Huey P. would figure out some kind of way to uh, get roads and bridges built and uh, I may have told you how he got that bridge built at Natchez one time it, uh, he got a speeding ticket in Bunky, uh, Louisiana he was from North Louisiana, south of Monroe, Louisiana and he was going back to the capital in Baton Rouge and a cop stopped him in Bunky, Louisiana which is just south of Alexander on the other side of the Red River and he stopped him there, and he wrote him a ticket. And he had his entourage with him, and he had all that bunch was with him. And he got so mad, he got up with the Mississippi delegation, and he said, I'll pay and help you pay, or pay two-thirds of a bridge if we'll put a new bridge in. This was in the 30s. He said, we'll put a new bridge in at Natchez. So they put a new bridge in at Natchez, Mississippi. And when U.P. Long would go, from his farm and his home up in North Louisiana, when he'd go back to the capital in Baton Rouge, he wouldn't go bunky and he wouldn't go he through wouldn't Louisiana. He wouldn't stay within the state border. He would cross the border into Mississippi and go down Highway 61 to Baton Rouge, which had run straight into Baton Rouge. Hmm. So uh, Hugh P. Long was 
one of a kind. Yes, he was. You're one of a kind. And before we get out of here with you on your travel stories up to New York recently, didn't you have a little bit of an encounter at one of those toll booths in New Jersey? Yeah, I did. I, I, I made one of those mistakes where I says, easy pass, no pass, cash. And I pulled up in one that was a uh, uh, one that is, it was an easy pass. And I didn't, uh, I said, oh, I, I, I don't have a card for an easy pass. And the lady said, uh, I'm being very real polite, the lady said, uh, well, you owe us 17 or $18, I forget which it was. Well, I was going to turn. We were going over to the Statue of Liberty in Staten Island, but we were on the New Jersey side. And I was taking the left. I could see where I was going to turn left. And I said, well, let me just back up, and I'll go down here to this plate because I'm going to get off right up here. And she said, no, you can't back up. No backing up. And I said, what? I said, I'm only going. I pointed at the place where I was going to turn in. And she said, no, you're not backing up. You owe me 17 or $18, I forget, because that happened twice to me. <laughs> and uh, at another place, I had the same situation. But anyway, however, uh, I had to give her the money. And I gave her the money. I went cash? Her, gave her cash. I asked my wife for a little help. I dug in my wallet, and I said, hey, you ain't got an extra five over here. I said, I'm going to have to pay this young lady uh, $17, $18. And I paid her, and I promise you, you could throw a rock to where I turned to go into the area where we were going to go from the New Jersey side looking back at the Statue of Liberty. So, uh, yeah. you could, Yeah, I got in a little round. I, I probably got a little more vocal than uh, I should have. Well, Jerry, from where we are here in the Mid-South, too, let's say we want to go to Trump Tower. Just right. to guess, how many different toll booths would I have to go through? Well, once you get over in New York and you get in Manhattan, that's where it is, it's in Manhattan. Once you get over there, you're not going to see any. Okay, well, what about yeah. getting in through... Uh, well, you may, you might have to pay uh, crossing the bridge above the Lincoln Tunnel, but I went through the Lincoln Tunnel, and it's been there forever, and that didn't cost me any. So how many times do you have to pay and stop in New Jersey? Oh, in New Jersey now, it depends on where you're going. Uh, I mean, if I'm going straight I got from off. where we are right now to New York, how many? I'm trying to come up with how many All times, right. and I want to know how much I'm going to have to pay. Now, it's possible if you go on uh, Interstate 81... And which comes off of 40 at Knoxville, mm-hmm. and then you go straight up through Virginia and the Blue Ridge, and you then it hits uh, Harrisonburg, the capital of Pennsylvania. You go on around it, and you can go all the way up to, uh, um, where'd we go, to Allentown. You can go to Allentown without paying a penny. Okay. And then the next morning, I got a, I got a toll before I was able to go across the Jersey Turnpike. Okay. I had a toll of about uh, $5, I think it was. And I know I had a $4 toll somewhere in there. But once I crossed the Hudson uh, River that uh, Henry Hudson went up, the first one with a steamboat, obviously. You're a historian. Yes. And uh, I went on across it. And once I was in Manhattan, I was okay. But now, uh, are we talking maybe five different times you had to stop for tolls? Two going and coming back because I took that Jersey Turnpike. And then I went through. It seemed like uh, Delaware, even with the home of the president, and they're the first state, mm-hmm. uh, they wouldn't have any. But uh, I made yeah. a comment to my wife that I know I had a $4 one in Delaware. And I had then if I went around a different way, I got off of 95 which is the main uh, Jersey Turnpike. And even though I'm in Delaware, they still call it the yeah, Jersey, right. Jersey Turnpike. 
but I was in Wilmington. But I cut uh, through another area, and it charged me to get on the uh, uh, one to Annapolis. And uh, it was an old road, but it was an old four-lane road. And they charged me there. And then when I got to Annapolis, uh, I turned in to go into Washington, D.C. And I had about a $5 one there. Hmm. And then I got on into Washington, D.C. And it wasn't anything in Washington. But when I left Washington... I came back out through Arlington and came across that way, and then because I wanted to go to Lexington, Virginia, and around Richmond and back down that way, and I can't. I tied back into 81 because uh, somehow I've gotten pretty familiar with Interstate 81. So you're familiar with a lot of highways, but no. the point is, if you're going to be going up to New York anytime soon, take a little cash and be ready to spend 50 bucks or so on tolls en route. Jerry, we're glad that you had the money that we're not bailing you out of some. New uh, Jersey jail, jail today, yeah. and it's always great to talk to you. Thank you for the uh, road that, journey. That's all right. Lucky I had my wife with me. You might have had to take a and collection part, of And as we close on your recent trip, we're glad that you're back from New York. The one thing that you discovered while you were in New York City compared to where we are today. Where we are today. Made me appreciate where we are today. Yeah. Basically, I, you don't want to be in New York City. I have no desire. I never have. The first time I ever went to Washington, D.C., I got a picture standing by my Jeep. There's no cars going by me or anything. Hmm. You know, that was in 78, 1978. Now it's 20-lane highway, and they'll knock you down. Yeah. And they're very rude. Very, very rude. So you'll rude. take the deep south any day over Manhattan. By the time I got, I felt home by the time I got past Knoxville. Okay. You know, and you kind of get that feeling. I get that way when I've worked out west too like if i get back you know from colorado or somewhere like that i feel the same way but i really felt it there and i could feel you know and you know i've traveled that same highway 40 a lot mm -hmm. which it eventually i get on 81 and uh then i go to pennsylvania usually on it then i go on over on uh 64 I go on over into New York or whatever and we went up to Maine not long ago too oh this goes some, everywhere I had, I had some uh, I had some tolls there we were just talking about Jimmy Rogers we should be talking about Hank Snow because I think he's been everywhere <laughs> Jerry yeah. we got to get out of here All thank right. you so much always great to talk to you you're welcome man and uh, next time you want to know about tolls or roads or I really don't I'm a human male there you go I hope y'all learned right. something from our Takapola storyteller Jerry Short more of the y'all shows coming right up
From 1990, that was the last hit song for Lacey J. Dalton and Black Coffee. What a cool song. And coffee is our on our mind, so get your cup of Joe as your cup of John brings it to you. We go to the website, The Local Palette, which bills itself as Food Culture of the South. And as we wrap up this Tuesday Y'all Show, coffee is on our mind in our spotlight of food and beverage. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've got this great article from thelocalpalate.com that's titled Six Small Southern Coffee Roasters to Check Out. And they've got a great article about these six coffee roasters that you need to know about. They say the best way to make coffee at home starts with buying the finest beans across the South. Small coffee roasters are choosing to work directly with farmers to source their product and then roasting the beans with small batch methods since we could all use a little extra zip these days here are six of our favorite local roasters from across the south again this is according to the editors well actually i got a name here aaron byers murray wrote this at thelocalpalate.com six small southern coffee roasters to check out so let's check it out and the first one comes from cajun country and it is R-E-V-E is the name of this coffee blend, if you will. And it's Reeve, I guess is how it would be pronounced. It's R with the accent over the E-V-E. Reve, Reeve, out of Lafayette, Louisiana. The Acadiana Micro Roaster looks from Asia to South America to source its beans, but also has Cajun history in mind with its line of Louisiana blends. They have the Acadie blend, which is a medium roast with a tart citrus and syrupy sweet finish. Rave from Lafayette, Louisiana, one of the six small southern coffee roasters you need to check out, according to localpalate.com. Let's go to the 843, and there you have Charleston Coffee Roasters, and they have the Kiowa Organic Dark Roast which serves up a rich, smooth taste without the bitterness that often comes with a dark roast label. All the coffees for the Charleston Organic Blends are sourced from certified organic farms. Their commitment to quality products delivers. And it's Charleston Coffee Roasters out of Charleston, South Carolina, one of the six small southern coffee roasters you need to check out. From Charleston, we go to the Music City, and Crema is in Davidson County, and there you have this zero-waste, carbon-neutral Nashville roaster which puts out a range of brews sourced from farmers they've met and know well. Go for the Blue Heron Blend, which combines Guatemalan and Mexican beans for a chocolate base that gets punched up with the high notes of sweet citrus. You can make a lot of music and a lot of good memories if you have the Crema, the coffee blend found in Nashville, Tennessee. Docent is a coffee blend in Atlanta. And Docent, according to the article, with an aim to make specialty craft coffee without taking the whole thing too seriously, Docent sources beans from around the world. Cloud Walker is a blend brewed from Pawpaw, New Guinea, and it has really good beans. According to this article, it starts with an explosively rich sip that mellows into a fruity finish. Yummy, Docent. Yes, and just down the road from Atlanta, you got Decatur, Georgia. And there you find the coffee blend 
Radio Roasters. And they've been roasting since 2014 there in DeKalb County. Radio Roasters puts out a number of simple origin roast as well as blends. The Best of Guatemala delivers notes of cocoa with a sweet citrus finish. Radio Roasters, Decatur, Georgia, one of the localpalate.com's six small southern coffee roasters to check out. Now we've come to the end. The number six coffee blend and great small southern coffee roaster to check out. We've taken you from Charleston to Lafayette to Nashville to a couple of Atlanta area places. You can't leave out the Lone Star State. And there we go to Dallas where Tweed Coffee Roasters is found. This is a small Dallas area roaster that defines itself by roasting for a sense of place rather than for a specific flavor characteristics, which means the essence of where and how the coffee was grown. They have this blend called Timepiece, which marries beans from Brazil, Guatemala, and Ethiopia for hints of a dark chocolate and sweet blood orange. If you love coffee, please check out these different roasters. Again, thelocalpalate.com is where you'll find the article. It's Dallas's Tweed Coffee Roasters, Radio Roasters from Decatur, Georgia, Docent from Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville's Crema Blend, Charleston Coffee Roasters from Charleston, South Carolina, and lastly, the other one is Reeve out of Lafayette, Louisiana. The local coffee roasters of the South. We've got six of them you can check out in this article that Aaron Murray has penned at thelocalpalate.com. And let's all down these great coffee blends as we wrap up this y'all show on a Tuesday. We got a delicious brew coming your way of the y'all show on Wednesday. You don't want to miss out as we've got a business spotlight, more food conversation, and we'll have a Southern history spotlight and some humor to boot all on Wednesday. Until we see you then, podcast available at y'all.com. Don't miss out on the fun, y'all. Y'all.